Welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we'll be discussing The Worst Best Man by Mia Sosa. But before we get started, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast app so others can find us. We'd also like to remind you that you can find us on Instagram at the PHX Nest Pod and on Twitter at PHX Pod. You'll find those links as well as the link to our blog and email address in the show notes. Now, to the book. <laughs> So how do we choose this? I ask like I don't know. I know. know. Like, you ask every time, and every time it's the same answer for 2020. Yeah, this is um, one of our festival authors. Another book for the festival. Yeah, it's actually the last one for the festival, for the romance authors, at least. Yeah. Um, Mia Sosa is not on my panel, but that's okay. We're going to read them anyway. And, uh, yeah. So, do you want to kick us off and read the synopsis for us? All right, here we go. It says, You are cordially invited to witness the worst best man get what he deserves. A wedding planner left at the altar? Yeah. The irony isn't lost on Carolina Santos, either. But despite that embarrassing blip from her past, Lena's offered an opportunity that could change her life. There's just one hitch. She has to collaborate with the best, make that worst man from her own failed nuptials. Marketing expert Max Hartley is determined to make his mark with a coveted hotel client looking to expand its brand. But when he learns he'll be working with his brother's whip-smart, studying absolutely off-limits ex-fiance, and she loathes him, if they can nail their presentation without killing each other, they'll both come out ahead. Except Max has been public enemy number one ever since he encouraged his brother to jilt the bride and Lena's ready to dish out a little payback of her own. Soon, Lena and Max discover animosity may not be the only emotion creating sparks between them. Still, this star-crossed couple can never be more than a temporary, whoops, then temporary playmates, because Lena isn't interested in falling in love, and Max refuses to play runner-up to his brother ever again. Kat said something to me when we sat down today <laughs> about this book. What did you tell? What did you say? I don't know. <laughs> what did I say? Um, you said we two said a things. lot of things. You said two things about the book specifically. Something One about them... it being incesty, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, you did ask that because Max and Andrew are brothers. And... We could have a whole category of zesty incesty novels. <laughs> <laughs> we just like put them under that category because it's like really popular. Um, I kind of, but like. They're, like, weird incesty without being actual incest, because Lena's not related to either of them, but she's, she's fucked weird. both of them. Um, the, <laughs> the other thing you said... Uh-oh, what did I say? Kat comes in and goes, this is, like, a J-Lo movie, but not The Wedding Planner. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did say that. Um, so this is a J-Lo movie that hasn't been made. So it's, like, a combination of, gosh, just... The Wedding Planner, mm-hmm. right? Clearly. Yeah. The Wedding Date, which isn't a J-Lo movie. No. And then what's the other one? Oh, the Maid of Honor movie? No, 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 no. no. Uh, Fool's Rush In. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so those are some <laughs> All things. All very different. Those are some things that Kat had to say when we first sat down. Uh, but overall, I <laughs> think. my first take on this. But... <laughs> Before we even start recording, I want you to know I felt incesty and also J-Lo. Although, can we get someone that's not actually J-Lo to play Lena? But, like... I, I mean, she looks good for 50, but... But she's not Brazilian, right? No. So it has to be... So she Puerto Rican? Yeah. That's different. Yeah. By, like, a lot. But, like, other people don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'd have to find someone else. Um, could we get 
in the worst way possible, Scarlett Johansson to play an Asian woman. No, because I'm really tired of ScarJo being in things she shouldn't be in. Thank you. Black Widow? Sure. I get it. <laughs> Anything else? But stay still, in your lane. Like, why? You're a white woman. Wasn't she born in, like, Canada or something? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, and I don't care. I don't know. It's just not necessary, maybe? No, it's <laughs> That's not. That's what I'm going for? I don't know. That's fair. Um, so, let's see. What do we want to talk about first? Do you want to give a little bit of a synopsis? A brief one? Sure, we can start there. So, Lena is all set to marry Andrew. Mm -hmm. And then Andrew is kind of an asshole and texts his younger brother, Hey, I need you to call off my wedding for me. And Max, even though he's kind of a dick too, not all the time, but sometimes. Sometimes. He's like, alright, I'll, I'll do this, because Andrew's not answering his phone, and he feels guilty because Andrew has said, we talked a lot last night, I feel like you made some really good points, I think you're right, I can't go through with the wedding, and Max is like, shit, I was drunk, I don't remember what I said. So that's cool. Um, so he does it, he breaks off the wedding, and his entire family like hates him for a while, and then so does Lena's family, mm -hmm. and... Uh, it's, like, years. It's, what, four years Three after? Three years. Three years. Yeah. It's just, it's just bad time. And then he finds out, hey, I'm going to be on this account. We're going to try to, like, build a brand because the Cartwright Hotel group, they would love to have a wedding planner on site, and that would be, like, their thing. Yep. And so they walk into this first initial meeting, and who else would it be but Lena Santos? And they pretend to not know each other. And Andrew's also there. It's just a bad, it's just a bad time. Like, this is, like, your worst nightmare. Like, if you were an asshole in high school and then you went to a job interview and the person, the person you bullied yeah. was your, was your interviewer, you'd be like, well, shit. I should just leave now. But they, they play it off pretty well. Like, they don't know each other. Then they have to discuss, like, okay. The then it bites them in the ass anyway. In the so. end, yeah. So, but they decide that they have two wedding planners that are up for the job. And right. they've got two people from the marketing firm. Yep. Um, is it Atlas Marketing or something like that? Run by Max and Andrew's mom. And she sends the two guys out and says, go work with this. And they decide that they're going to have one wedding planner and one person from marketing work together. So they decide that Andrew's going to work with the other dude, whom we don't even meet. We don't even know his No, and it doesn't matter. Doesn't he matter. Him, he, because Andrew sucks. Andrew so. sucks. And Max and Lena decide to work together because it's the lesser of two evils, it's essentially. It's the least awkward situation that could come from this awful, awful situation. Yeah. So through all this, they find out that they actually don't hate each other. Like, they're kind of, like, really mean to each other for a while. Oh, that... And then her family kind of, like, settles him in and it's all good. And then they have, like, this <laughs> this weird weekend, which we're going to talk about, where they had to pretend to be going to, like, couple therapy. <laughs> it was so good. And um, and then they figure out that, like, oh, shit, they actually kind of love each other. Yeah. Um, and then that's kind of the end. Is Happily ever after. Is the mom paying the bet to the aunt <laughs> that he would, he would be in love with her. So let's talk about Lena's job first. Lena is a wedding planner. She was not always a wedding planner. This is her second shot at being a professional. And this is her first time owning a business. Right. And um, it's called Dotting the I Do's. Which is a great name. How do we never think of names like that? 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm really bad at that. I can do like puns pretty well, but if you're like, hey, create a company, I'm like, I don't know. How long did it take us to figure out this name? Like, I had a list and nothing sounded right. And the Phoenix Nest was the one thing that stuck. And it stuck because it made me laugh. But it took me a while. It was weeks. Yeah, that is true. Just, I don't know, because it has to like sound. It has to roll off the tongue. It, sound, it has to sound good, maybe like more catchy or whatever. Yeah. But, I don't know. I don't know. It's just not a thing. No. So, like, if she came up with the name herself, like, good for her, because that's impressive. That's a good name. Yeah. That's That's solid. She wasn't always a wedding planner. Um, no. She had a failed venture for a while. It wasn't a job, she, or not really, a, like, a job like this. In fact, it was completely different. She was a lawyer. She's a paralegal. Yeah, she's a paralegal. Yeah. Which, can we take a moment? Because, um, for I would like to read just the back here. That, um... That she, our, our Mia Sosa here is a lawyer, in fact. Yeah. Or was. Was, yeah. And is now an author. Um, one day I'm going to make a list of all of the authors who used to work in law. They all left RWA, if you read that tweet. <laughs> They're like, why would you piss off the industry that's all ex-lawyers? <laughs> the best tweet out and there. I was like, yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, that was fair. That was a good one, too. Anyways, she has a failed job as a paralegal, and we don't find out till pretty far into the book what really happened. Mm-hmm. And, um... And we can, we can understand why she wouldn't want to talk about this too much. Because she made a mistake, and then instead of, like, correcting the mistake, she yeah. kind of had a breakdown about it instead, and she was considered, like, volatile and overly emotional... And no one wanted to work with her on that legal team, and she eventually was fired because they just didn't trust her and her emotions. Well, and that should lead us into our next topic, which is um, women of color specifically having to kind of tone themselves and their emotions. Yeah. um, Because a lot of times, sadly, us white people consider them to be too emotional. Whereas we have white ladies named Karen throwing a bitch fit over an expired coupon at a Walmart. I don't understand why the white ladies are allowed to do that, but everybody else isn't. It's just this very, very historically ingrained racism that people are attempting to get over. Um, But everyone's kind of got to be on board for that. And it's just not a thing that can happen instantaneously. No. So that makes it really hard. And that's, like, one of the first things. It doesn't mean that, like, white people should be less emotional. It just means that we need to become more comfortable with other people also having emotions. We need to be open to that. I mean, we we can't let that continue to happen. But we also have to understand that other people have emotions. And you have to let that go. You can't use a person's color and their racial background solely to say you're too emotional. It's not cool. How many white people get away with so much shit because they were too emotional in a situation and it made people uncomfortable? Well, I mean, that's basically every shooting that's happened in the last three years, right? That is, yeah. Oh, a white guy didn't get laid, so he's gonna kill people. Like, that's the gist of what a lot of these things are. And it's really difficult because on a smaller scale, like in the grocery store or whatever, 
it's not really a big deal. No. Like, you're mad about your coupon, whatever, not a big deal. Move on. But then when it becomes bigger, like, a lot of the things that have happened where people, like, call the police, like, that whole um, black people family barbecue. Oh, my God, and that white lady lost her goddamn mind. Yeah, and that's happened, like, multiple times, and it's, like, people who are, like, we, like, reserved this Ramada, and we paid to be here, and, you know? Yeah. It's just a weird, a weird power it's a it's a really Move? yeah I don't know. it's just it's really strange but um luckily we live in Tucson mm-hmm. and we I don't want to say never see but it's it's definitely more rare to see really open displays of racism mm-hmm. especially where we are just we have so many like we have a huge refugee population we have a lot of Hispanic people we're on the I border. Mean, yeah. We're, we're essentially we, a border town. We just have a huge mishmash. And then we, we're a college town on top mm-hmm. of that. So we have a lot going on. And, like, to be fair, there are a lot of cultures that do teach you, like, you shouldn't cry a lot or whatever. You shouldn't show your emotions um, so openly, yeah. For me, I think that would be, like, a lot of the Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in, like, my family specifically. Although that is still, like, weirdly ingrained in, like, my aunts and uncle. Like... To like, not show their emotions? Like, the only emotion they have is, like, anger. Oh. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of crying. There's not a lot of touchy-feely stuff from any of them. Okay. You know, they're very stoic. Okay. And, unfortunately, that means that gets passed down to, like, a, to like their kids. Yeah. So, like, that would explain a lot of, like, why I'm very stoic. Yeah. Just because my family is. I, You know, I've noticed a lot, too, in the way you think. And it's not... I don't want to call it outright racism. It's it's kind of like internalized racism mm-hmm. where you start to think about a person's ethnicity and the emotions that they have. Yeah. So like we think about, you know, with you, you think Asians are more stoic and then, you But know, that's not true at all. And that's not true at all. No. Yeah. And you think of, you know, certain races have certain emotions that are attached to them just because that's the way media has portrayed them that's to be. a stereotype that just gets upheld. And mm-hmm. then... Like, I teach teenagers, and they don't do themselves a favor when they're talking about, oh, it's because I'm Mexican, oh, this, you know. And I try to, like, get them to understand, like, that's something that you could stop. Like, you could yeah. you could totally make the choice. You can break the cycle. But they hear it so much from, like, older siblings or aunts and uncles or even their, their parents, parents that it's just, like, a losing battle a lot of the time. Well, that's, like, um, my family, at least on, like, my mom's side. So all of us women are pretty stubborn. Yeah. And... Through my entire life, that stubbornness is because, oh, that's the Italian in you. You're stubborn because you're Italian. You're fiery. Yeah. You yeah. have a short fuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's really unfair, especially if you are expected to act in, like, a very one-sided way, like, very angry or mm-hmm. very quiet or whatever it is. Like, there's not a lot of wiggle room for you to feel like no. you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I always find it really interesting, like, me and my sister have the exact same genetics. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really stoic, and she's not so stoic. Not at all because she's, like, super emotional or anything. No. But just she's a lot more open with her emotions and maybe more, like, uh, I don't know, like, more in touch with them than I am. I can see that, but though. But I think it's been, it's been a way that we're raised, too. Mm-hmm. So it's just there's a lot that goes into it. And so for, like, the purpose of our reading... We can also understand, like, where she's coming from. Yeah, you know, she is Brazilian, and she comes from a family of women 
who got married and then left their husbands and came to mm-hmm. the United States for a better life. Right. And they've gotten their better life. I mean, they, her mom, Lena's mom and aunts, they all start a store. Yeah. Um, a little tiny grocery store type thing, like a little bodega in Washington, the Washington, D.C. area. Yeah. But she has that conversation later on in the book. She's talking to her mom and her aunts and she's telling them, you know, I don't show these emotions because I don't want to fail you guys. I feel like if I cried and showed someone that I had emotions, that that might set me back because of this one situation that I had. Yeah. Especially um, when it comes to feeling like a disappointment or a failure, I think that really hits people hard. Yeah. And so from her family's perspective, they're like, no, you've done so much. And she's like, no, I haven't done enough. Well, and I think that goes a lot into race again, you know, as a white person. And I want you guys to know that I'm very white, (laughs) not just in my skin tone, but also in the way that I was raised. I did get fortunate enough to be raised in a small Hispanic town. So I do know what culture looks like. As a whole, white people don't have a whole hell of a lot of it that's their own anymore. They kind of steal from other cultures. Right. But to for me to have been raised and being told, okay, if you fail, that's okay. You can try again. And I know that coming from this small Hispanic town, um, a lot of my Hispanic friends were never told it's okay to fail. A lot of it was, Especially we came here. Especially the first generation American. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not an option. You know, we came here to fight and to have a better life, and you're mm-hmm. going to make sure that you also do the same for you. Yeah. And we kind of have a little bit of that with Lena thinking that her mom and her aunts are going to be upset with her if she fails. Yeah. Whereas they, they tell her towards the end, like, we're proud of you no matter what. You work so hard, mm-hmm. and you do everything you can. So she kind of has that kind of step back moment where she has to step back into her own emotions and understand that her thought process is not what it what it's believed to be, you know? Right. And she always says that she's putting up, like, kind of a wall. Mm -hmm. And that is something that you do yourself. Mm -hmm. And so when people are like, you don't need to do that, you're like, okay, but (laughs) been doing it for a while now. It's kind of a normal thing. And that's kind of one of the problems that she runs into. She's so afraid of being told that she's too emotional, emotional or that she's made the wrong decision or that she's disappointed someone that she uses you know, those walls and puts up her guard, even in situations where she doesn't really need it. Yeah. And it's, it's got a lot to do with her knowing that she is first generation American and she feels that pressure, Mm -hmm. you know, her mom and her aunt, her aunts didn't come over here for nothing. They came over for a better life. And I think there's a moment towards the end where she has that discussion with her mom. She has that discussion with her aunts. Everybody's there. The whole family's there. Right. There's a, they're a huge Brazilian family. And they're not a huge, huge. They're just big in that they have big personalities. And they make themselves very well known. Um, right. Lena's family is a character all un- un- to itself <laughs> in this book, which is great. I love it. But, um, you know, they have that discussion where her mom says, we came here to have better lives for ourselves, mm-hmm. and we have that life. We made that life for us. Now it's your turn to make that life for yourself. And kind of tell her, you know, you don't have to be so hard on yourself. Yeah. Which was nice. It was great to see. And I fucking loved it. And I fucking loved her family. <laughs> <laughs> they were really funny. They were great. They were really great. Um, I thought they were great. And then you have Max... And Andrew's super white family. They're oh my gosh, hard ass mom. 
Okay, but like she had a good reason to be a hard ass. She raised two like super competitive boys. Well, they she and did then it on got divorced. Yeah, and then got divorced, mm-hmm. and then decided, you know what? I don't need you. I'm going to run this company on my own, anyways. And so she's kind of had to be a hard ass, I guess, which is a terrible term for like a strong, independent woman. But um, yeah, she's very cut and dry with them. You don't see hardly any emotion. Like, there's, like, maybe two instances where she's, like, a softer person. And one, yeah, you and they say that she leaves the family at the door when they come to work. Yeah, which, I mean, you would need to do. Yeah. She wanted the boys to work for her, but she wanted them to have their own life first. So she sent them off to go work on their own. And um, Andrew was working in Atlanta at one point, and then right. Max was in New York. Um and then she brings them back. But the only way she wants them to work with her is if she has both of them. Which I think is ridiculous. Like, creating this competitive nature between two people and then telling them they have to work in tandem is, like, not exactly a great no. plan. Because if you try to have them one-up each other constantly, then it's going to be, like, this never-ending win-lose situation. Well, and then there's this situation as well where... Andrew starts to rely on Max a lot more than he should in the workplace. Yeah. And now he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know how to function. He doesn't know how to do the the job that he's actually supposed to do. Yeah, which is pretty sad. Which is how he ends up not having the best presentation Mm -hmm. for, you know, their pitch. He spends half the book trying to get either Max or Lena to give him some kind of an idea. Which is ridiculous. Like, that's really dumb and low. Well, that's because he has no personality. Andrew, He has... really does it. And he's described as, like, the safest choice and all this stuff throughout the book. Andrew has the personality of a single grain of white rice. He's a potato person. Listen. <laughs> that was That is the most accurate thing ever. A potato on its own is bland. He just... I don't know. He just... He's a walking, talking potato. He just kind of sucks. He's not even, like, a good potato. He's not a red potato. No, he's, like, a plain, boring... Russet potato. Yeah. (laughs) He has a russet potato of a man. He was boring. And he's kind of lazy. (sighs) Like, you don't go scoping out other people's projects unless you're looking for the good parts to steal. (laughs) Like, if he... I mean, if he was, like, a true villain in the story, because he's kind of the villain at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Um, Even towards the end, he's kind of shitty. Yeah, but I, he's just shitty on his own. I just think that's just how it is. I'm The entire time, once Andrew started to kind of show his true colors, it was like, God, Lena dodged a bullet. Can you imagine being stuck with that? Well, like, any time that she references why she wanted to marry him, you're like, oh my God, he just sounds so boring. There were so many red flags. And not even, like, red flag, but, like, that flag's a little red, hon. Maybe you shouldn't go that direction. Yeah, definitely. And Lena's got so much life in her that she can't be with a potato person. No, it wouldn't make any sense. Not at all. You don't need a potato person if you're not also a potato person. That's the name of this episode is the potato person. Is it the potato person? The potato person. I don't know. There could be something better. (laughs) We don't know. We don't know. But if you think about, like, if you think about, if you've ever, like, met people in passing... Mm-hmm. Like at parties or through work or they come in somewhere like a restaurant together and you're looking at them and you're just like, 
How do they work together? <laughs> like, there was a couple at Target. Oh, no. I don't know if you remember this couple. I know your sister probably does. Okay. Because we used to follow them around the store and be like, how? How? Okay, so he, super attractive, looked like a Ken doll. Okay. And I'm talking like with the sweater wrap, like tied around his sure, neck yeah. kind of a thing. Okay. And then his wife, whom we knew was his wife because... They had matching wedding bands, and they were really lovey with each other. Unless, for some really weird reason, this was his mistress. I don't know. So they would come into Target, and they would shop, and he was, like, super doting. And, like, everything she ever, like, looked at, he was like, honey, I'll find it in your size. And he would ask your sister and I if we had certain things in her size. And sometimes we would say, yeah, most of the time we were like, it's clearance. No, if it's not over there, it's right, not going yeah. exist. Um, she was the potato person. And, and it wasn't just potato person in her personality, but like in the way she looked. And I don't want to be rude. That's not what I want. I'm out here to do. <laughs> I'm all about raising women up and just like being like, Hey, these people are great. She was kind of frumpy. Um, she didn't really wear makeup. She had really bushy eyebrows, really bushy hair, just kind of didn't take care of herself very well. And then I just described to you this Ken doll of a husband. Right. Your sister and I were so <laughs> confused. <laughs> That's so sad. And then I was trying to explain to my mother about this woman. And my mother, first off, let's talk. My mom listens to these. So hi, mom. You (laughs) don't even remember this situation ever, I don't think. But we were at a car dealership and she was buying her car. And we walked out to finish up some paperwork. Mm -hmm. And coming the opposite direction was the couple. It was Kendall and his potato wife. And I remember seeing them and going, Oh my god. I texted your sister and was like, dude, you have no idea what's happening. Then I tried to get my mom to look and my mom's like, I don't understand. And I'm like, they don't go together. Like, I feel like I'm definitely the person who's like, there's someone out there for everyone. But then you'll see people that just don't match up. And you're like, okay. But like, those are the people that like get each other on a different level. And they get each other on that different level, like from the beginning. Then that's how like, it should that's, be. And that's totally fine. But it does, like, your brain is like, what? <laughs> I really hope that Ken Doll and his potato wife are still together. I do. I hope for their sake. But it, your sister and I I don't like, remember this couple, by the way. I'm, you know. They didn't work with us, so I'm like, I don't know. And that's probably because you didn't see him as often as we did. They were always in the clothing department. He was helping her look at lingerie one day. <laughs> it was really awkward. Interesting. This was pre-remodel days. Oh, God. That that's so long ago. Red carpet and lingerie. Like 12 years ago. Well, the whole situation is like 12 yeah. years ago. Not fun. Not, no, not, no. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> huge tangent. But <laughs> Andrew is the personality potato person mm-hmm. because... Oh, there's nowhere that indicates that he's, like, super ugly or anything. No. We do talk about how Max is a hottie. He is. And he does sound like a hottie. He's but, like, muscular. not your classic hottie. No. And he eats cake, so, like, double win. He has the sweetest tooth when it comes to cake. Listen, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know the entire time I was reading this and we would go through the cake scenes or, like, anytime someone would mention cake, I was like, God, I really want to fucking slice of cake but like good cake not just like any cake. i don't want to go to like walmart and get a slice of cake that's already done see i'm really picky though about mm, frosting i don't like no, buttercream so good frosting's nasty no they have a really good carrot cake 
Okay. No, it's so good. It has cranberries in it. The devil himself created carrot cake, so... Whatever. It's so good. Um, God, we got way off track. That's okay. Anyways. <laughs> so, okay. I'm trying to regress into my brain to where we were. Other than him being the personality potato um sibling rivalry oh lord okay so how's your relationship with your sister um well growing up we were okay growing up i wouldn't say we were super super close Mm -hmm. like we did a lot of the same things like we played soccer not on the same teams because there's like age groups or whatever um but like we went to the same schools we played the same sports we had some of the same friends not very many until after high school Mm mm-hmm we didn't get along super, super well in high school. We were both just, like, trying to do our own thing. Moody teenagers. More than her than me, <laughs> I think, to be completely honest. Um, but after high school, we had just, like, some really big relationship-changing talks that had to do a lot with, like, how we treated each other and how we were being treated by other people. Mm-hmm. And from then on, we were super close. Like... If you remember back, again, at Target, <laughs> Target no one knew we were late because we don't look alike. And they'd be like, do you guys, like, live together? I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> okay. And they'd be like, oh, so, like, that's really cool. You guys are really young, but you have roommates? And I'm like, we're siblings. <laughs> I knew your sister before I knew you. Yeah, I was gone. You were gone. For a, a while. Dealing with the car accident situation. Right. And um, so your sister and I worked together in the clothing department. Yeah, and I wasn't on the sales floor. I was no. always up front and, like, customer service and shit, so. The first time I ever met you and your sister together and put together that you were siblings <laughs> is you were shopping together. Oh, yeah, like, on our way home or something? Yes, and we you got had, the like, time. you'd had the pick line or whatever oh, the thing God, is. Oh, God, I never want that again. And um, you guys were shopping Neither one of you had been at work. Um, you guys were off that day. I was at work. and I, I had was... that stupid mesh sleeve mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And I was working over in like the C&D area. This was pre-remodel again. Oh, yeah. And um, you came around the corner and I went, oh my god, Captain Num Nums, which is the nickname that I was given, that gave your sister. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my god, Captain Num Nums, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, we're just shopping. And then you came around the corner and I was like, oh my god, Cat, what are you doing here? And you're like, we're just shopping. And then I went, you dumbass. <laughs> They're sisters. And I remember that moment. And I remember looking at your sister later going, so I didn't know you were sisters. But to be fair, Kat was out with that injury. Yeah. And I didn't know. It was it was really interesting because of the timing of that. Um, when she started working with us, like I had already like, established friends, Mm -hmm. and we weren't all mutual friends yet. No. So I was friends with a lot of, like, the guys in the back room Mm -hmm. and, like, electronics up front or whatever, and then, like, you guys had a lot of sales floor friends, but we were very separate, and that was when I was, like, I was, like, 19. I was living out of a different house. I moved out and stuff. We were all But she was still in high school, Mm -hmm. and so it was really weird for me to come back into into work when I was allowed to come back to work, and people were, like man, that girl's so hot. And I'd be like, can you not talk about my little sister like that? Like, that's really gross. And they'd be like, that's your sister? And I'd be like, yeah. Like, like, stop. She's 16. Like, stop. 17, whatever. 
But, um, yeah, people at our own school definitely thought that we were, like, best friends, not siblings. And then when we tell people we are, mm-hmm. the look that they get is, like, this need to, like, really scrutinize us to find something that's similar. And they're like, no, I could see it. And then they, like, try to tell us things that are similar, like our eyes or whatever. Listeners, I want and you like, to know. we're not at all. Cat is short. Mm-hmm. And Cat's sister is not. <laughs> Right, she's very fair. Mm-hmm. We we have similar like eye and hair color, mm-hmm. but our actual features aren't very similar. Fair like even our eye shape, like we're both the same combination of genetics. And I'm way more Asian looking than she mm-hmm. is. She's a lot more Caucasian looking. Mm-hmm. She does not look at all Mexican. She looks a lot like your dad, but mm-hmm. with your mom's complexion. Right. Whereas you look a lot like your mom. Yeah. With your dad's complexion. Yeah. And that's and people that's the stare kicker. at us intensely, and then they'll see our parents and be like, <laughs> "What?" Or like, I remember my mom. She recently told me she's like, "I can finally walk through Target without people talking to me." <laughs> I was like, "Do you miss it?" And she's like, "No." But I'd be like, "Oh, that's my mom." And like, "That's your mom?" Because my mom is very fair with mm-hmm. red hair. Yeah, and just real German. Real German, and just that people mom. were like, what the hell? Like, what's <laughs> happening? I'm like, I know. Like, we've had this problem our entire lives. You have a cool genetic makeup, whereas I am just simply white. <laughs> just genetics kind of just do whatever the hell they want, yeah. you know? So, and that's totally fine. Yeah. But it just, it, it made our, the relationship with us mm-hmm. slightly different because when you look exactly like your siblings, like we have some of those friends that mm-hmm. look exactly like your siblings. You're expected to act like them and be like them, mm-hmm. and that's really, really difficult. Um, my sister and I never really had that issue. Um, we were never super competitive. We were never into the same dudes ever. Okay. Um, that always helped, because that would be really weird. Well, and what's your age difference? Uh, we're about two and a half years. Okay, so you're closer in age than my sister Yeah, because she's May and I'm September, yeah. so, so about two and a half So years. you never had that sibling rivalry. Not really. And, like, we were very different people. Like, she she tried the college thing. She didn't like it. I powered through college completely. You killed it. Um, Just different, different values. And mm-hmm. not, like, morality-type values, but just, like, different things were happening in our lives that yeah. led us down very different paths, but also made it so it was a lot easier for us to be closer because we weren't competitive. We just weren't raised to be very competitive, and we acknowledge that, like, when we go play games, we're like, um, her husband and his brother are super crazy competitive. They are. And they're in different branches of the military. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have an entire conversation in our group chat where they're comparing their ranks and wh- who's going to be promoted next and what's that rank and what's this and sergeant text. Or what? Oh, my God. They're and adorable. I'm just, like, I'm just like, my brain hurts so much. Like, why can't we just be happy for both of you for being good <laughs> at your jobs? And just... So it's so foreign. So, um, my sister and I were also not raised to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Max and Andrew were raised to compete against each other and they're yeah. very competitive in their lives. My sister and I were not raised that way. Yeah. In fact, want to formally apologize to my mother as often as we possibly can. My mom just wanted two children that loved each other. She basically wanted that built-in best friend situation. And then she got my sister and I. So I did not work. I'm older by about three and a half years. Yep. And um, I was not consulted when my sister came into the picture. Um, <laughs> I was super excited when my sister was born. She's like mine. Nope. 
Nope. That's why her name is her name. They um, <laughs> they took my playroom, <laughs> and I how was dare they not consulted. But I also grew up with my little sister who was ADHD from the moment of conception. Mm, yeah, um, that'll do it. And I was a really mellow child, so I was like, "Chill, just kind of leave like, me this alone." Is throwing me off. It was a big adjustment, and I kind of remember a moment where I asked my mom when we would take her back. Yeah, because I was old enough to have I have memories of when my sister was a baby. Right. Um, and my mom was kind of like, "We don't like she's ours," and I was like, "No, no, 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 take her back." Are you sure? <laughs> we, she's cool to visit. We have to keep her. But um, and, yeah. So my sister and I had a. Fairly volatile relationship. Yeah, I've heard a lot of your stories, and um, that's definitely what I would say it was. Yeah, it was a volatile relationship, and we didn't, we weren't competitive in a lot of things because of our age gap. Right. You know, I was a senior when she was a freshman kind mm-hmm. of a thing, and we didn't go to the same high school because she'd moved to Tucson at that point. Right. But we did have a lot of um, competitions with each other at home. Who could get home faster? <laughs> who was going to eat the leftovers first? Of course. Who could run down the Classic. hallway faster? Um, who could sit on mom's lap before the other one could? Um, it's just too much. There was a lot of times where we would dump our poor mother out of the recliner. <laughs> so my parents had recliners. Mom's was a rocking recliner. And my sister and I would run and jump on mom's lap and... I want, first off, mom, I'm sorry, we were far too old that one time that we did it the first time, <laughs> um, but we, like, dumped the recliner back. Like, yeah. the whole, whole recliner went down. Feet up in the air, all of us are laughing, because we didn't expect it. But, um, yeah, we had that relationship where we were not nice to each other for a lot of time. I mean, Luckily, up until fairly recently. most of our relationship was, wasn't centered, uh, wasn't saying about, like, not getting along very much. There were some times in, like, middle school where I was, like... I don't want her to hang out with my friends, you know, because she was still in like fourth grade. <laughs> so yeah, like, no. You guys had a closer, kind of a closer age age gap than my sister and I, and it, yeah. which is really weird to say because it's only like a year and a half. Yeah, it's not much different. But she was born in May of ninety two, and I was born in September of eighty nine. Yeah, so it's not a huge nope gap. But I also feel like when you're born closer together, there's probably more of a bond, mm-hmm. be that positive or negative. Um, but when you have kids who are like, I have a student who he's going to have his first sibling. He's 13. He'll be 13 years older than this baby. I have a friend in high school. that's hard. Yeah. My friend in high school, um, one of my best friends, I've known her for my entire life. Um, we were in fifth or sixth grade when her first little brother was born. Cause she's got two little brothers, like little, little, little brothers. See, that's, that's like. A strange gap to me. It's really weird now because they're adults now. And I'm like, wait, when did that one turn 18? He's a baby. It's really strange. And I have a friend who I grew up down the street with. I Mm -hmm. mean, like, he was one of my buds. Yeah. He, we were in seventh grade when his baby sister was born. She was a total oops. See, and that's the other thing is that some of the time it is, like, accident baby. Mm -hmm. But then a lot of, like, what I see or observe in the families I work with, um, it's because we have a lot of blended families. And so the parents are in, like, their mid-30s, and they're like, I'm getting remarried, I want to have a kid with my new spouse. My new spouse, yeah. Which makes perfect sense, because that's what you want, you know? My friend who had the two little brothers, that was a blended family. She had a brother, a little brother from her, her dad, and then her stepdad and her mom had two other kids. Yeah. 
who I still think of as absolute babies and come to find out they're like 18 and 21. And you're like, what? How? And I'm like, how is he legal to drink? That's how? really weird. So we find that Max and Andrew have this awful sibling rivalry. They've got a horrible relationship. They don't really care to know each other, which is awful. I'm fortunate enough now that my sister and I get along. We talk to each other almost every day. In fact, she'll probably call me later. You and your sister get along fairly well. We, like, we constantly are texting. Mm -hmm. Not so much when she lived in a different state, but, um, like, now we text almost every day. Yeah. It's pretty rare I don't hear from her and then I'm like, are you okay? (laughs) Wouldn't it be weird to you to not talk to your sister? Because, like, I can't imagine not talking to my sister for a week now. Well, especially since we had gotten into the pattern of visiting each other as often as possible when she was mm-hmm. out of state, and now that she's in state, it's, like, every other week I'm able to visit, or they're down here. Yeah. And um, now there's going to be a little baby pretty soon. <gasps> so exciting. I know. She's like, I'm pretty sure I could have this baby at, like, any moment now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Because he, she had her appointment on Friday. He's, like, over six pounds. Oh, my goodness. He's over 17 inches. So... Like the next three week stretch of she'll probably want to just go in and be like demand to give birth. Listen, my daughter was two weeks early from my due date, and that was already a week overdue at that point where I was like, I'm done. She's cooked. Let's go. I'm out of here. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, let's talk about. We kind of talked about working with family because Max and Andrew work with their mother and. She keeps the the family life out of the office as much as possible. And, like, so this is another thing. I work in a place where a lot of people are related. Mm-hmm. And I always joke with some of my other coworkers who are not related, because I'm not related to anyone at work, about, like, how it's interesting how people get their jobs. Because, I mean, of course, you're like, you should apply for this. The people apply and get interviewed. Yeah. But it's really interesting to see, like, Three or four people that are in some web way connected to each other. And then they'll be like, oh, you know, that's that person's related to so-and-so. I'm like, they're what now? (laughs) And so that student is so-and-so's, like... Uncle or Uncle or niece or whatever. I'm like, what? Like, how? What? (laughs) And it's just like, that makes no sense. Yeah, I have that here, too. Um, It's confusing. So I didn't know until, like, way later... Um, we have the woman who is essentially my district manager's, like, right-hand person. Mm-hmm. Um, her mother-in-law works for the company. Yeah. Too. And, like, that's really weird. And I'm like, wait, what? What? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. And then, um... It just feels like, like, you're not supposed to do that. But, like, there's nothing wrong with it. No. Especially if they're actually, like, good workers. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know why it feels wrong. Maybe because in other scenarios, like, people would, there would be a favoritism issue, which is what I think the mom in the book was trying to avoid by having them compete all the time. Yeah. And also work together is, like, because then she couldn't be, well, he, Max said that Andrew's the favorite. Yeah. That's because he's the potato person. Yeah. And so he's always, like, trying to please their mother, but not giving Max the accolades he deserves because he's doing all the, like, footwork. Yeah. Well, and Max And that's, like, a different problem. Well, and Max isn't the type of person who's going to be all dressed up 100% of the time. I mean, like, he... They talk about the way they look. I mean, Andrew comes in and he's wearing a suit, and Max shows up in a pair of jeans and a hoodie. And I'm like, I'm with Max in this one. Comfort, 100%. Um, 
Let's talk about Max's best friend, Dean. <laughs> oh, Dean. Oh, Dean. Dean's working in the law industry. Mm-hmm. He is really cut and dry. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the rare instances that we see a male-male friendship that has the closeness of what you would consider a very feminine relationship. Yeah. Where it's like, dude, I need to come to your house. Like, I need somewhere to stay. I can't be in my feelings right now. I felt our friendship a little bit <laughs> in Dean and Max's friendship. I could see that. Just, I don't, I don't know how to explain it properly, but, like, there's a difference between, like, usually the feminine relationships that are in books are very, like, you, you either have, like, the catty girl and the sweet girl or you have the really blunt girl, or, like, whatever their, their thing their is. Their weird dynamic, yeah. And the men are just kind of men, and they're, like, the classic we're going alpha play, male, we're gonna go play basketball whatever. Not talk about emotions. And this one was, like, they had a full, they had, like, a couple scenes where they full-on were, like, sitting in Dean's living room, and Dean's like, all right, well, what the fuck is the problem? And Max's like, I don't know, I need you to tell me all the reasons I can't love her. And I'm like, oh my god, is that not me? That's us, 100%. <laughs> How many times do I get a text throughout the week? Tell me what I'm doing. Remind me why this is a bad idea. <laughs> but like, but Dean was also trying to keep him really grounded. Mm-hmm. And that's not something we always see with men. Especially in romance novels, because they're usually like, we'll figure it out. Unless, of course, we're talking about like the bromance book club, in no, which it- case they're like, We'll fix it. Like, that's a lot different, too. This was a a relationship that very much mirrored a lot of the female relationships that I've had in life or have read in books. I liked it, though. I loved it. It was really realistic. Considering, okay, like, considering our friends, we know that we always tease them into bromance. We know that's, like, a toxic masculinity thing. But Mm -hmm. if you've met our friends, you know, (laughs) you know why this is a thing we have to say to them. Because they do that kind of stuff. 100%. They talk things out. They go on long drives. They go shooting. They, like... Our male <laughs> they friends go are adorable. <laughs> like, and I'm like, what'd you do last weekend? Oh, you know, we were out driving to, like, two. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we, you know, so-and-so just need to talk. And I'm like, okay, that's precious. <laughs> we have, we've talked about it a billion times on the podcast. That we've got this great friends group. And it's not even that it's, you know, all the girls are together and all the guys are together. And then sometimes we intermingle. It's literally like, you just went, like, bark on a bar crawl. Oh, yeah. My first, it was the craft beer crawl. Yeah. It was really fun. But I went with one of our male friends. Yeah. And then his, like, best friend's sister and her boyfriend. Yeah. Who's, like, extension of friends, because I know them, too. Yeah. But, like, and then we met up with their other friends, who also brought a friend, and it was just, like, the Our friend's best friend's sister and boyfriend throw the best Halloween parties ever. They're so funny. We love them. And she's always like, why don't you ever go to things? I'm like, I'm so busy. And she's (laughs) like, fine. So I went yesterday, and it was really fun. Not just to appease her, but, like, I didn't have plans. I had never done a bar crawl. It sounded fun. Beer crawl, whatever. If I weren't working, I would have wanted to go. Listen, it was so much walking. It was a lot of walking. It was a lot of drinking. And I'm not like a beer person. So, listen. Kat sent me a video. Or no, it was on on Instagram. (laughs) My first, okay, I want Your first Instagram story. It was an accident that I did that. (laughs) 
I just wanted... It was a donut on fire. <laughs> it, it was a so creme brulee donut from Batch, and they toast it in front of you, and then they put caramel over it so it gets crunchy. It looked so good. It was so good. But ugh, I'm such a dumbass. I was like, I'm going to make a boomerang because that's really fun. And Alicia... But my sister does it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I can do this. And so I do it, and then I'm, like, trying to figure out how to, like, save it. And I hit the wrong thing. It's like, it's your first story. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't do the story thing because it reminds me of Snapchat and I hate it. Yeah. So that was my first story. And then, and then it alerts you. It's like 30 people have watched it. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I do stories for the podcast, but I don't necessarily do stories on my personal right. Instagram. My mom was like, I thought that was like a thing you posted. That was actually you took that video. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have this interesting relationship where we can hang out with the guys on our own and the guys hang out with us and we hang out with the girls and it's interesting, but I love the relationship that Max and Dean have. That scene where Max is having a hard time, um, thinking about Lena and the sexual things he wants to do to her. He wants to jerk off. Yeah. So he, he says the best thing to do is to go to Dean's house and he's going to sleep on the couch and he gets the couch all set up and he's out on the couch and he's thinking about her and he's like, and the cover smells it. like a lady's perfume and he's like, God damn it. So he gets up and he goes into Dean's room and is like, can I sleep with you in here? And Dean's like, Fine, but don't touch me with your boner. And I'm like, that is the most dude bro thing what I've ever heard. What do you think? like, if there's any rocking motion, I'm kicking you. Like, yes. I'm like, you know what, though? Fair. <laughs> I thought it was hysterical. It was so funny. It just, like, those are interactions that we know exist. Mm-hmm. Because it would be stupid to think that they exist only in a feminine realm. But it's also one that you would never be really privy to unless you have, like, brothers, maybe. Yeah. And even then, maybe not. No, I I have an older brother, but I didn't know I had him until later on in life. So, yeah. like, I don't even have that. Like, I'm not privy to that. Well, just when I think like, about how our friends talk about their brothers, it does not sound like that's the relationship. Like, no. that's pretty rare, too. I don't know. I just love that we have guy friends who have that kind of relationship to begin they're with. So, they're so funny. But, like, they also don't take a lot of shit from each other. No. no. They also don't take a lot of shit from us. They don't take a lot of shit from Like, anyone. they give us a lot of shit, though. <laughs> they do. Like, we went to dinner, and our one friend was just like, so, is anyone mad at you lately? And I'm like, <laughs> fuck off. Like, You're like, thanks. Yes, thanks guess. for reminding me <laughs> that my life is difficult. But, like, it's all in good fun. It's never to make you feel like shit. No. It's very rare that we have actual problems. <laughs> With our with our boys, we love the boys. I was disappointed more of them didn't come yesterday, but they had the opportunity to maybe meet some hot chicks, which I'm still waiting to find <laughs> out if that was the thing. I'm so annoyed. Oh God! Only they would be like, "We're not gonna go because we might meet some hot chicks." And then like someone yesterday was like, "Why are you so invested in that?" I was like, "Listen, if anyone needs to meet hot chicks, it's these two. It's these boys. <laughs> they deserve some hot chicks." And I'm so not that funny. person. That cracks me up. Oh I had God. to work, so I didn't get to do any of that. Um, do you want to tell us about the banana cab? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Every hoopty I've ever owned. Yeah, go ahead and do your thing, I'm though. just going to wait. Oh, We're right. fine. Okay. So, having a lot of friends that have a lot of shitty cars, this was, like, one of my favorite pieces of this. Can I take a moment to let everybody know that Kat slowly turned her head <laughs> directly at me? Okay, but you're not the only one. <laughs> 
You're not the only one. No, because Bethany has had some shitty cars. Like, okay. So, and to be fair, like, not all my cars were, like, fantastic or anything. No. But, like, better than the shitholes that you guys were driving. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's be really, really honest. I had that Ford Escort that was named Miss Pig because it was ugly as sin. Okay. We had a friend that had a Cressida. That he turned into a drift car. No. (laughs) And it had, like, removable seats. My high school boyfriend had a Cressida. Okay, it's old, it's ugly, and it's just, like, boxy as shit. Was it gray? I don't remember. I feel like all Cressidas were gray. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know, I'd have to ask. But, like, we have, um, one of our friends right now doesn't have power steering. One of our friends opts to drive really old trucks, which is totally fine. You maintain them, whatever. Um, but that's, like, an option that you have. Um, we've, um, like... How many times have you guys had to come rescue me in my shitty in cars? Different cars. <laughs> in different cars. That's, like, the weird thing. It's, like, you have a shitty car, and we're, like, oh, okay, well, we'll fix it, and everyone, like, bands together to fix your shitty car. Then you get a different car, and it's shitty for, like, a different reason. Different reason. Um, my brother-in-law had, oh, what did he have, like, a Grand Am or something oh. before before they started dating, it was just a bad car. His brother drove a suit up <laughs> dodged me. <laughs> and we gave him so much shit for it. But he's still like, I miss that car. And I'm like, okay. This is um, a bright yellow Bethany Volvo. had a blazer. Yep. Which I felt was really questionable, but she said she loved. She also had a Land Cruiser. The, the Land Rover thing. And, um, and, like, the electric didn't work in it or something. It broke down all the time. It just, it, just we have had some very unreliable cars in our friend group. And, like... No big deal, but, like, also, why do we do this to ourselves? Like, I can, I, okay, I'll be, I'll be fair, and I'll tell a shitty story about myself. Was it the rodeo? <laughs> the first time, no, mm-hmm. oh, I liked my rodeo, it was, like, one of my favorite vehicles. It was, like, spacious, and it was high, and it had four-wheel drive, it was great. But I had a Toyota Tacoma, which my mom always called the old man truck, because it didn't have a lift. Mm-hmm. So I was like, why would I put it? I'm not going for a wheeling. You're too short for that to begin with. Okay, I've driven, like, a huge truck, like a huge Ford. Uh-huh. Ugh, I shouldn't be allowed to, but they're so big. <laughs> um, But, like, so the first time I ever met our friend Magnum, which I don't think he listens to this, so I, he won't care if I say his name. But the first time I ever met our friend Magnum was I had driven through a wash in my <laughs> Tacoma which I'd done numerous times before. Because it was, like, the easiest way to get to my friend Ashley's house. Uh-huh. I just cut across the wash. It's an actual road, by the way. It's not just, like, I'm driving down the sand. And they're wash. making it an actual paved road Which now. makes me really angry. <laughs> <laughs> so I am doing what I normally do. Mm-hmm. Nothing's different. It hasn't rained, so it's not, like, all shitty or anything. Nope. And then my car, my truck just gets stuck. And I'm like, well, that's fucking awful. So I'm like, okay, so we do the thing you're supposed to do where you wiggle your tires and you do reverse, whatever. I'm not dumb. Like, I know how to do stuff. Because we did... My car was not four-wheel drive, but we used to go four-wheeling. Yeah. We used to go out in Reddington. And so I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Stuck. Just stuck. So I'm like, cool. So I roll down my window, and there are cows. (laughs) And I'm like, no. Like, I have, like, a weird fear of cows because they're really big. And I feel like... So One sweet. small move, then they'll trample me on accident, and then I'm dead. They're so sweet. Okay, like, and I get that. Like, I pet them and stuff, yeah. but just in the dark, it's like 11 at night. It's dark. I'm by myself. I'm and sitting I, in my truck, and they're all, I know, in the exactly distance. where you're at, yep. And I'm like, oh my god, why? And then a Ford Ranger toddles on through that same wash <laughs> successfully. Doesn't stop. 
just keeps going. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So I called my dad because I was, what, like 18 maybe? Maybe. No, I would have been like 19 or 20. Yeah. Because that was Target days, wasn't it? That doesn't make it sound any better. But I called my dad and he's like, okay, we'll come get you because he had, you know, an SUV at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I call our other friend Alex. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, we'll come get you. I'm like, I don't... (laughs) I don't know that that's, like, a thing we can do. Because he, he had a the forerunner at the time, didn't he? Yeah. So him and our other friend, who also had a forerunner, mm-hmm. came down and brought their friend Magnum with me. And I, they're like, this is Mag. And I'm like, cool. I am not looking great right now. So thanks. <laughs> but, like, end of the story, we're now all friends still. That's really great. <laughs> but we had to literally, like, there was such deep sand where I had specifically driven. We had to deflate my tires. No. <laughs> Yeah, to get enough traction. Oh, no. Because any time it would go, it wasn't spinning, but it was just wearing (laughs) farther down. And then we had to put boards or, like, blocks underneath so that it could get enough traction. And then we still had to pull it out with the other forerunners. Yeah. It was just... So, like, my car wasn't shitty. I personally don't think my decision was shitty. But just the fucking wash was just not good. It was not good to me. That she didn't do this because she was being lazy. Let it be known <laughs> that to get to that particular friend's house, oh, you had to go was, around and through a different walk. Had to go the opposite direction of where you wanted to be to come back up if you wanted to be on paved road. And it didn't matter like which if you went north or south. No, you were going like a really long way around. So I was like, we'll go through this neighborhood and just go through the wash. It's so much easier. If you go south, Why? you have to hit the freeway. To come up through where my mom lives, which is like another mm-hmm. 15 minutes out, yeah. is a pain in the ass. But they are paving it now <sighs> to make it go all the way through, so are. fuck them. But yeah, shitty cars, man. She goes, they go out on this scouting trip and they take the banana cab because she feels more comfortable. She's like, I'm driving my own car because I feel comfortable driving it. And he's like, you know, okay, if you don't want me to drive and you're the one driving, you should feel comfortable. Totally fine. It's a two-hour trip. Doesn't he say I have, like, a perfectly good Honda Civic over there or No, it's like, like a, oh, God, what is it? What is it's like a car? nicer car. He's got a nice car in the garage or whatever, and she's like, no, we're taking my car. I feel more comfortable. And, um. And so they do. They do. She has failed to mention that her car is not super reliable. Nope. And they stop at a rest area because she has to use the restroom. And the car won't start. Like, not even, like, it doesn't even turn over. It's not doing the clicky thing. It's just sitting. And he's like, seriously? What's wrong with it? And she's like, probably the battery. And he's like, all right. Just (laughs) thought you wouldn't mention that, huh? Which I find, okay. So this is also another, it sounds really sexist, but in my experience with a lot of my friends, they don't know anything about their own vehicles. And I feel like you should know simple things. Like, you should know how to jump your own car. Mm -hmm. You should know how to change a tire. Mm -hmm. Changing the oil is optional because you can pay for that for less than you can do it yourself in some cases, depending on what it is. But, like, car maintenance. Someone showed me a video of, um, they're like, this lady has ruined three cars. And they open her fucking engine. And they're, like, trying to drain the oil and it won't drain. So they open the, the actual, like, reservoir. Yeah. It's goo. It's, like, silly putty-looking goo. And I looked at my brother-in-law and I said, how do you even do that to a car? 
And he's like, I don't know. You either get something bad in it or you are doing so much to it that it just solidifies. Yeah. It was terrifying. Did you find what you were looking for? No, I didn't. I also didn't skim very well. So anyways, they go in her car. They stop. The battery dies. They have to get a tow. They're in the middle of nowhere. They show up to this, this, like, ranch farm place. Because she's scoping out a location for a wedding. Yes. And they get to the bar and she asks all her questions and Max is in awe of how amazing she is or whatever. And um, they find out that there's a couple's retreat and they can't stay the night because Lena's car is not going to be done until the next morning. They can't stay the night because there's no rooms, but they can stay in the barn. And Max kind of has that moment like, this is not a Jesus situation. We're not sleeping in the hay. It's not going to happen. And um, they come up, they're fighting, they're bickering, and they're just kind of not being very nice to each other. And they run across this man who's like, hey, you guys sound like you should be a part of this couples group. Um, <laughs> we keep an extra room so mm-hmm. like you guys can take it. You just have to, you know, it's $200 or whatever. And they split it so they can get a room and not stay in the barn. And shenanigans ensue. They have to pretend to be a couple. So, Which they're doing a great job at. By the way, his car is an Acura. Oh, okay. Which would be more reliable than yeah. her gold banana cab. Well, her it's yellow. It's a Volvo. That's understandable. Banana it's a cab. Bad time. So yeah, they they go to this retreat and they they have a blast. They have fun. Like this is the most relaxed she's been in like forever. They're having a great time. They're getting a little sexy. They're getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. They have that moment where they have to share the things that they like and the things they don't like. The other one does. That was really interesting because you could have, like, chosen to be, like, a huge asshole and, like, mm-hmm. call someone out, but they chose to, like, make it more into a relationship-building thing. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because they were so petty at the beginning of the book so that I was petty. like, man, this could be really bad, but it's, it, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. They had a lot of fun. The retreat ends. They leave. And, um, Max... Uh, they have the sex. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they... On the well, hood of the car. Okay. They tried to have the sex in the room... And Max gets all excited because he found condoms under the sink in the bathroom. The shared bathroom. So bad. And come to find out they're called Nogens instead of Trojans. They're joke condoms. There's nothing in the wrapper. So sad. They still get sexy in that room, though. And yeah. then they leave. And someone spots Max a condom on their way out. Yeah. One of the hairy-armed guys. Yeah. <laughs> that dude. He came through. And he takes her out to... <coughs> A tulip field. A field of tulips. Which sounds great. There, I really want to go to the lavender fields. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Alicia's done the tulip fields. But we did the sunflower fields when mm-hmm. I went and visited them. In Kansas. In Kansas. And it's really funny because it's, <laughs> you have like a week of gorgeous sunflowers and then they all die. Yeah. Like, they're not very hardy. No, they're not. And so, like, I imagine how sad it would be for tulips. Because they're so, like, if you've seen a tulip field or, like, the pictures of them. Mm-hmm. They're so, like, low mm-hmm. and bright. Yeah. So once they start dying, it'll just be, like, Brown. sad, shriveled <laughs> stalks. Like, Aww. But yeah, it but was really pretty. And they have, like, this weird impromptu, like, like date photo moment. session and, like, date moment. And then they have the sex on the hood of the banana cab. Which, by the way, have you, like, ever had that weird date moment with people? You're not on a date. But you have this moment of you are a date to them. Yeah. And it's very disconcerting. Because you you're start like, to question everything. So you're like, this is strange. Is I was tricked into a date once. And it wasn't a real date. I was just like tricked into it. I was not happy. I just, this has happened to me twice, by the way. I don't know what's <laughs> wrong with people. But 
That's so terrible. <laughs> and I'm like dumb. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> but like you have that moment of realization where you're like, oh no. <laughs> like, I don't think I meant for this to happen. This is a date. And like shit. And then you have the other, the opposite of that, which is where you're always with the same people, and then people are like, oh, are you dating them? And you're like, no. no. And they're like, oh, but you look like you are. I'm like, no. Oh, no. That's what happens with when I post pictures of mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Oh, that's your boyfriend? Good for you. And I'm like, what? No. That's not. What? No, friend. Who? Friend. And like, to be fair, I do have a lot of dude friends, so that's part of the confusion. Yeah. But like. <laughs> but also, no. Ballsy. <laughs> Ballsy of you to suggest. So, hood of the car getting busy yeah then they then she like kind of shuts down on him mm-hmm. which is really too bad considering they had so much fun that weekend well she's having those second thoughts you know i was with his brother and now i have feelings for like, him she already knew she's gonna fuck him yeah she sure shit did she like, knew she was gonna fuck him from the beginning like though. you're gonna like you're gonna have to just get over that uh, sometimes if you happens. make that choice yeah if you go into this knowing this is gonna happen then you're gonna deal with it but yeah. like He's really understanding about it mm-hmm. and lets her, like, have her space in the car as much as he can because he goes to sleep. Oh, there's so much, like, good consent in this, too. Yeah. And not even, like, verbal consent. It's more like he can tell from her body language that she needs some time alone mm-hmm. and he gives it to her. Yeah. It's oh, kind of a big deal. It's a big, big deal. Because we, even in other books where we see super connected couples that, like, get each other or whatever mm-hmm. the thing is supposed to be. There's not always that complete, full understanding, especially when it comes to needing space. Yeah. And a lot of the time, people equate wanting space, which is really, like, time to think. Yeah. Not always physical away from you space. I just need to be alone sometimes. Like, sometimes it just needs to be quiet. Yeah. Oh. Sometimes I just need quiet and to sit and not talk to anyone. My coworker, sometimes I have to ask him, I think we need to just have a moment where I can think. (laughs) Because he talks a lot. He's got to feel yeah. the silence. I often need that when I get home. Yeah. And I don't always get it. And that's, it's always like... That's like, why Why? That's why sometimes when people are like, let's go do this thing after you get off of work. And I'm like, I need at not least half an hour to just And that's eat. the thing that I think people don't realize. Because like, well, you can go from work to here. And I'm like, okay, I can. But will I be tired? Will I be in a good mood? Because... Those are two very important questions that you're going to want to know the answers to. Mm-hmm. If I'm, like, geared up to do it, sure, not yeah. a big deal. Easy. If I know, but if you're going to, like, invite me somewhere on a whim, know that there's a huge possibility that I'm going to be like, listen, I just, I can't. I need to not be around people. <laughs> I need to have it planned. Like, today we had this whole situation planned. Yeah. Like, I had my meeting. I came home, and when I got home and texted you when we were going to record, I gave myself an hour yeah, so that I could eat and decompress, because yeah. I was just in a meeting. Well, and it's really interesting, because our difference is, like, you're not super social, Mm-mm. unless you're with other people that make you be social, mm-hmm. or facilitate that socialness. You. I'm <laughs> ridiculously social. Yep. And so I was like, what are we doing this weekend? What are we doing? Where are we going? When are we doing it? And I'm, like, super planning. And so, like... I think it's really interesting that we both need that time to decompress. Mm -hmm. Because even before I started having a lot of anxiety problems, I still needed that time. Yeah. And when you... I was living with different roommates all the time. Yep. But um, it's hard to understand because they also need to decompress. And depending on what your job is, your version of decompress is different. Yeah. It could be sit with me and tell me about your day. Uh Uh-huh. It could be... 
I need to sit in total silence. Uh-huh. It could be first thing I'm going to do when I get home is shower. And all of those are like valid yeah. options. So I had a roommate whose version of decompressing is tell me about your day. Mm-hmm. And I was usually the one who got home after him. Okay. And I'm the type of person that I need to close my door and gotcha. I need to take all of my work clothes off and immediately put my pajamas on. <laughs> and I need to crawl into my bed and I need to sit there and fuck off on my phone for at least 30 minutes. I'd still do it here. I live alone. Nobody talks to me. My cat sometimes screams at me, <laughs> but he's a cat and I can kick him out. Right. But he was the type of person who needed to come home and tell me about his day. And I'm like, listen, I don't care. See, and when I lived with a roommate who needed that, I I mostly enjoyed it. Because yeah, I hated it. the difference between, I think the difference was, though, that he worked a very different job from what I worked. Yeah. And so when you're hearing about someone's day and their days, like if I... I'm not married to this person. But if I was married to, like, a teacher, I think it would be exhausting to hear about a teacher day when I've just come from a teacher day. And so... A retail day coming home from a retail day. It's really tough. Because it's all, like... It's all, like, really high-energy kind of stuff. Yeah. So when I lived with someone who was not a teacher and he would need to tell me about his day, it was usually, like, fine. Because I could lay there and, like, listen or, like, half-listen or, like, ask questions Without having me, like, asking specific questions about the different students or, like, whatever. Because that's the problem I run into when I talk to people who are also teachers. I have to yeah. I have to be quiet. And I don't watch a lot of television. Yeah. So, like, I have to be in the mood for television. And he was the type of person who would... My room was the hangout room. Yeah. So everybody would come to hang out. Because it was, like, right by the garage door. Yeah. And everybody came in through the garage door. I think we used the front door only a handful of times. Like, very rarely did we use that. But um, he would come in, and he would come into my room, flop on my bed, and say, oh, my God, I have to show you something, and turn my TV on and sh- cast whatever it was he needed to show me onto my TV. And I'm like, no, you're ruining the like, sanctity of really my quiet. You really need to do that. Like, it's just leave me alone and you quiet. But, yeah, it was – I loved everything about that relationship that they had. Yeah. And the space that he gave her to think and everything. Yeah. And I think people usually equate, I need, like, some time to self as, like, an outright rejection. No. And that's not always the case. Mm-mm. But in this case, he understood probably better than she understood herself. Yeah. And I thought that that was really interesting, too, because he was a lot more in tune with people that have emotions. Mm-hmm. And she was not in tune because she had tried to block those yeah, yeah. for so long. Yeah. So, um... Now are we at the end of our list? Listen, we're at the end of the list, hey. and we've recorded for over an hour. Of course, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> we're now at the end, so let's see. What are we giving it for ratings? One out of five. Um, I'm going to do a 3.5. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I thought the story was cute. Mm-hmm. I liked the characters. Uh, the drawbacks, though, I thought, were mainly the things that I don't feel connected to. Like, the sibling rivalry thing and having to prove yourself is really strange for me because okay. I don't... You don't have to do I that. I don't do that. Yeah. And then the, like, homie hopping Eskimo brother kind of stuff <laughs> that happens. <laughs> Eskimo brother. <laughs> yeah. I just... I don't understand that either. Okay. And so... And I don't understand why it seems to be so popular, especially in, like, recent novels. Yeah. I don't understand. Because we had this discussion not too mm-hmm. long ago as well. Yeah. Um, fair. Uh, so 
I actually gave it a 4.75. Whoa. Yeah. We went to quarter points. We did. All right. And we, and I think the only drawback I had to it was the weird, like, she fell in love with her ex-fiance's brother. And, like, part of me is like, I get it. You love who you love. You can't really stop that. That's totally fine. Yeah. But also, just as a thought in my head, I'm like, wouldn't you always just be, like, comparing them and stuff? Yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it in my own life, but, yeah, I gave it a 4.75. All right. Yeah, so. um, Solid. Yeah, pretty solid. I liked it. So, we have finished up the Tucson Festival of Books and Reads with this one, so the next time you hear us will be in April. We are yeah. taking that hiatus. So long break. Yeah, as we said a couple episodes ago, um, I've got the moderator position going on, so I've got a lot of things that I've got to catch up on. Um, Kat is about to be an aunt for the first time, which is really exciting. Yeah. So we're on Baby Watch 2020 right now, waiting for that to I'm happen. so excited. It can happen at any moment. I'm going to steal the baby. It's going to be great. I, I cannot wait for the text where it says, it's I've stolen fantastic. the baby. Uh, so when we come back, we'll be back in April, um, hopefully well rested and ready to go. Um, Kat proposed. That's the idea. That's the idea. Kat proposed that we read one romance each that is a bad romance that did not sit well with oh, us. Oh God, it's going to be so terrible. It's going to be awful. We are going to start with Kat's pick. So be on the lookout for Bittersweet Rain by Sandra Brown. We encourage you to read it in March. Maybe <laughs> so get it from you the can library. Understand mm-hmm. buy it why used. it's a bad romance. Buy it used. Get it from a library. I don't. I wouldn't suggest purchasing a new copy. None of our bad romances are going to be new copies. We bought no, no. used copies on purpose because we didn't want to support these awful books. Um, but yeah, it's not to say that the authors are awful and don't what? deserve support. It's just that specifically these titles are ones that stand out. Like, with blaring uh, awfulness. Yours came out in the 80s. Which may explain why it is the way it is. It could. But it's also terrible. And mine came out at the height of the Fifty Shades of Grey movement. <sighs> which would explain why it's awful. It's going to be so bad. So join us next time in April when we discuss Bittersweet Rain. Oh my Rain god, we're going to be Brown. bad bitches reading bad romance. We're going to be bad bitches reading bad April. romance in April, yeah. So uh, remember that only bad bitches read romance. Bye! Bye! Bye.